Welcome to Amplify, a podcast that gives marginalized communities and diverse people a platform to share their story and reclaim their narrative. I personally never really liked the term minority because I just see it as a bit downgrading and like when you call yourself a minority then you're just going to feel like a minority. You thought Muslim representation in media was limited? The windows for hijabis is even smaller. Take the movie Hela, which is an Apple TV exclusive. It is about a Pakistani-American teenager or even the TV series Elite on Netflix, which is about three working-class teens who attend a private school in Spain. Both of the hijabis in this movie and TV show series are displayed as oppressed and held back by their identity with hijab. They only feel liberated and empowered once they remove the hijab and they need a man in order to save them. But I have seen positive representation of hijabis, Take the popular TV series Grey's Anatomy, and with the recent introduction of an intern, Dalia Qadri, she took the hijab off in one episode in order to wrap around a patient's leg to save them from bleeding out. We already have hijabis trying to create their space within media, and I'm here with a fellow hijabi to see how she includes the voices of hijabs through her podcast. Welcome back to Amplify. Today, I'm here with Sarin Qadir. Sarin, how are you? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm great. I'm doing just fine. Yeah, so a little about myself for those who don't know. My name is Sarin, and I'm a 22-year-old hijabi who was born and raised in Texas. I've pretty much attended all my schools here in Texas, except in the sixth grade, I moved to Jordan. And we've lived there for three years. So I got to experience going to school in a different country, which was pretty interesting. And when we came back to Texas, I wore the hijab three years later. And now I'm currently attending university studying social work. And I've also recently started hosting my own podcast called Journal Hijabi, which is a platform where women can connect and share their personal stories of the hijab. And this podcast is open to anyone and everyone who wants to learn more about the hijab and the women who wear it. And I want to say that I'm so excited to be talking with you today about representation in podcasting spaces. And thank you for having me on here. Yeah, thank you so much for being on. I I was so excited to connect with a fellow hijabi podcaster, and I felt like this is what we should do. We should just host a podcast together and kind of learn a little bit more about your story. So can you share at least one example of what you consider like a positive and negative representation of minorities and people of diverse backgrounds? Have you been personally affected either because of how it made you feel or because of how someone else reacted to it? If not, why? So a positive representation of minorities, I would say, well, first, I just want to mention that I personally never really liked the term minority, because I just see it as a bit downgrading. And like, when you call yourself a minority, then you're just going to feel like a minority. And when specifically thinking of the religion of Islam, there's 1.9 billion people. And so I just wanted to give 
that perspective. And that's not to discount the people who are minorities, but I, I'm just saying that I don't want that word to kind of put people in a box and make them feel like they're less than, if you know what I mean. So a positive representation, I would say, is the first time... Okay, so the first time I personally saw hijabis being talked about in a magazine article was in Allure, and I loved reading about them being interviewed and represented in a well-known American women's magazine, and so that was nice to see. And also, I would like to say that another positive representation of minorities that I had in mind is minorities representing themselves. I mean, the minorities who start their own small businesses, their own clothing line, their own podcasts, and like many more. So it's like they get to choose to be represented and work towards putting that positive image of themselves and putting in work. And I just admire that. And for the negative part, I would say... Anytime a minority isn't really given the chance or opportunity to represent themselves in their own way, it can kind of turn negative. And like, for example, in recent fashion shows, there was a trend of the models wearing the headscarf or wrapping something around their head. And it's just like, I, as a hijabi, like I wear this every day and it's part of my religion. So why do I get this completely different experience of wearing it and become represented in a negative way while the models and designers get to be glorified and cheered on. So that's kind of my take on that. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. I didn't really think of the terms minority as being negative, but after hearing your stance about it, it makes me think a little bit more cautiously of maybe other people's perceptions of the term minority and maybe how it could be spinned in a more negative light. So do you know like what kinds of misunderstandings and misrepresentations have you seen or been affected by as a result of other people's exposures to these representations? A misunderstanding I've seen is a hijabi being perceived in a way that is totally opposite than the way she really is because of the way she's represented in the mainstream media. I mean, I have many examples in college or in public where people already have made an assumption about me because I'm wearing the hijab. And oh my god, I have this perfect example that I just remembered just now. And it might sound a little crazy, but a while ago, I went to the doctor's office and I went with my dad. And when we got into the patient room, the nurse came in and saw us and she was asking us all the questions and stuff. And then in the middle of something, she started like kind of assuming and asking me. She was she was asking me about like when's the last time I was on my period and it took me a while to remember and so when I was kind of like not giving her an answer she was like okay you know this girl's probably pregnant and whatever and so like keep in mind that my dad's still in the room but listen she thought that my dad was my husband and uh, like, oh my God, like after that, we were clearing it up for her that he was my dad. And her exact words were, I swear, she said, oh, I'm sorry. It's just that I thought that girls that look like you are usually married young and have kids. 
And in my mind, I was like, oh my God, like what is, what did he was is happening and like why she's saying that and at that moment I was just kind of chuckling and saying like oh like no I'm just his daughter and I'm not married and I'm literally only 21 at that time and so I bring this up because this is an example of hijabis or Muslim women who were affected by this misrepresentation of Muslim women being oppressed or married at a young age. And this is where the culture and religion kind of clash. Every Muslim woman's situation is different, and it is so not okay to be exposed to this kind of representation. And I just know for a fact that this probably happened to many other hijabis that they were out with their dad one day and someone just assumed for her to be married or be the mom because of the way that we're usually represented in the media or like in the political eye. And it's just an outdated, falsely oppressed image of hijabi woman that needs to stop like now. And that's specifically why I created my podcast, Journal Hijabi, so hijabis can come on and express their stories in their own words instead of having someone else say it for them. I just, that's like amazing. I love that story. I was like laughing out loud as you were saying it because, I mean, I've had similar experiences, but not with my dad, but with my brother. <laughs> like, I'd be, go I went out one time with my brother, we were getting blood drawn at the hospital and they just assumed that my brother was my husband and I was just <laughs> laughing out loud I was like uh see because there's two young people here and I wear hijab doesn't necessarily mean I'm married but <laughs> yeah yeah and it's just like because I wear the hijab like people automatically think I'm like way more mature than my age that like I'm a mom and I have kids and this this and that and like it even happened in school like one time I was standing outside and then one of like the principals was just standing and just kind of waiting for everyone to like get on the bus and stuff and so I was just standing there and she came and like stood next to me and I was like okay that's cool and then she was just kind of like asking me like like grown-up questions like about like the kids and stuff and I literally felt like I was just having a conversation with the grown-up she was like oh wait I thought you were like someone's mom here like picking someone up so I was just like okay like uh the hijab like puts on 10 years or is it just what people are used to seeing online that hijabi women are like married young or are kind of forced to like grow up fast and like raise a family and this this and that so I just like to share that example yeah I think I totally agree people think hijabis are definitely older than they're perceived and and I, even like examples, like I'm sure because you live in Texas, I live in Indiana. So it's kind of like I live in the Midwest, but like, it, like, I don't know if this is like a thing in Texas, but like anytime you ask like somebody at the grocery store or like something about like finding an item, they'll always address you as ma'am. So I always take that as like, oh, they think I'm old, like just because of the way I look. I don't know if that's a thing like in Texas or not. Yes, literally everywhere I go, it's like, ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. <laughs> Okay. It's like how old do you guys think I am? <laughs> I know. And then when I when I start talking or like expressing myself, it just, it, it just becomes 
so surprising and they're like, oh my God, I would have never even knew. And so that thing goes back to what I was saying in my previous podcast and talking to other hijabis is that we have to be the person to initiate conversations and go up and talk because people are probably, you know, just going to keep assuming and this, this and that. And they're not going to be the ones that come up to us and start the conversation. So if we want to end that negative or false mindset that other people have of us, we kind of have to like put a step forward and be the ones that initiate the conversations. I 100% agree. And I've definitely had personal experiences with me going up to somebody and then I like dismantle any of their perceptions that they've had of hijabis. They thought that like hijabis couldn't talk to people until they were married. Like they couldn't talk to any guys or anything. Like that's what somebody told me when I talked to them. They're like, I didn't expect you to be able to come up to me and talk to me. I thought like after you get married, then that's when you could start just talking like guys, not even like for like anything like, like romantic or anything, just talking to any guy for any reason so that just made me laugh so hard when I heard that but yeah definitely we have to educate for sure yeah for sure I'm also even thinking of like where does where does this even come from is it do they get it from the news or is it an assumption you know I don't want to like blame everything oh the media the media the media the news this this and that but really like where they get this information from I'm kind of wondering because I was even at work one day and some people usually are just bold and they'll say whatever they want to say to you and then some people don't even know how to approach you and so this lady boldly approached me and I was like checking her out like in the cash register and she was she literally told me she was like like oh wait like what what do you have what are you like wearing like on your head like this this and that and she was like oh yeah I mean like usually women like you are, are like oppressed you know like from oppressed countries and she she literally said that like I'm not joking and her daughter was with her and she was just kind of like like mom like no don't say that like let's just go on this and I was like like what do you tell that woman I was just kind of like smiling and like brushing it off and like she is assume that I'm from like Pakistan or Iran or Afghanistan and so I guess they do tie it back to like the news because that's how we are represented in the political eye and on the news of the whole like war and refugees and this and that's just such an outdated image that needs to stop and it all goes back to the reason why I created Journal Hijabi. It's kind of like having my own news anchor where hijabis can come on the news and talk about the hijab in the way that it really is in a positive image. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think the only way to like dismantle that image that people already have presented is by having representation in spaces and them seeing more strong hijabis. So how is your podcast? I know you've been mentioning your podcast throughout the interview so far. So how is your podcast trying to disconstruct this narrative that's presented about in the media about hijabis? Have you seen any other podcasts in this space who present a positive image of hijabis? So yeah, before I created my podcast, I came across a podcast 
called Salam Girl, and I loved how it was. It's, I think it's two convert girls who started podcasts, and they're both hijabis. And I love the way that they were just like representing themselves and talking about the hijab and connecting with women who wear the hijab. And it was just so sweet and cute, and I loved it. So that's kind of my little exposure to like another hijabi podcast. And so my podcast, as mentioned a little before, is intended to destruct this false narrative or mainstream narrative of hijabis by giving them the space to speak on their stories and the first time that they wore the hijab. We each have our own unique stories of when we first wore the hijab, and it can be interesting for anyone, like girl or guy, to listen to these stories and know more about us, because usually in public, some people might not know how to approach us. And like I was saying before, there's kind of two types of people in this situation. There's the people who don't know how to approach us, so their question never gets answered and they just keep wondering about the hijab and this, this and that. And then there's people who will just approach you and throw any words or statements that they're feeling that day. So this podcast is was created and is open for hijabi women to be themselves and express their stories. And it's really for anyone who is curious to learn more about the woman who wear the hijab. It can be the woman who wore the hijab and decided not to wear it anymore. It can be a young girl who is looking into wearing the hijab and wants more advice or somewhere to connect. It can be a man or a dude, any age, that is curious about the hijab and wants to kind of come in and into a space and hear hijabi women talk and and be themselves and how it looks like when they represent themselves and how they really are freely like in their personality and everything. And so Journal Hijabi is a free podcast where from a phone, anyone can listen and learn and hopefully get their questions answered. So what would you say, I know we both started our podcast during this pandemic. So what was definitely like the driving point of you starting it now, especially during this pandemic? Was there a reason why you decided to start it now? So Journal Hijabi has an interesting story of how it started. One night around like 1am, that just seems to be like when everyone's creative and up and this, this and that. So one night at 1am, 2am, I came across this ad on Instagram and it was of a hijabi. She was like laughing and smiling and playing with elf makeup. It was an elf cosmetics ad. And I remember feeling so content and happy in that moment. Here I am on Instagram at 1am watching the first ad of a hijabi in a well-known company. So then a few days pass by and I was like, I was still thinking about it. I was like, like, oh my God, this made me feel like so good and happy. And And I've never really seen a hijabi like advertised like that. And like, I guess like in a way where like she can fully be herself and express her personality and being advertised on like a well-known company. So I asked myself like, when is the next time I'm going to see something like this? When is the next time I'm going to see a hijabi represented like that? So I decided to start something on my own and I went to the notes app on my phone and started writing about 
what I wanted to do and what ideas I can create. And this was actually, I started my podcast shortly before the pandemic. I had no idea that the virus was going to spread and I was still going to campus. And then it all kind of came together in that moment. I had a lot of time to kind of sit down and think about what I wanted this idea to be during the pandemic. And so a day later, I came up with a name and a podcast and then the Instagram. And from there, I just worked on building the page and recording episodes and essentially creating like a whole platform where hijabis can come and advertise themselves. You know, you can become your own advertisement instead of waiting on a company to recognize you. And so I started Journal Hijabi so hijabis can come and represent themselves authentically and freely. I love that. I love the idea like behind it and how you're giving a platform for all these hijabis to represent themselves. So do you where do you see the podcast going from here? I know you started shortly before the pandemic and where it is now. Where do you hope to see it in the future, hopefully? I see Journal Hijabi just steadily growing, growing, and reaching many different audiences and platforms to spread a positive image of the hijab. I hopefully see it growing as a large community that can come together and speak about how the hijab makes them feel empowered and be more appreciating of yourself and the struggles that come, that may come with wearing the hijab. I see it growing into a platform that is accepting and where people can just come on and have deep, interesting, and positive conversations and just grow from there. And I look forward to like watching like your journey through your podcast and listening to your episodes. I've listened to a lot so far and they're really great. So I know a lot of what you've focused on currently is like hijabi stories. And I know you had a conversation on one of your podcasts about, I believe, like racism within the space. Do you think that you're going to focus on other social justice issues regarding hijab? Like recently, there was the legalization of banning hijabs in universities and places of higher education uh, in Belgium. Do you feel like that's something that you want to discuss on Instagram and you want to discuss more on, on a podcast episode as well? So this question can have many different answers kind of going each way. And I told myself, like when I was starting Journal Hijabi at the beginning, I was like, I didn't want it to get political only because we are already put in a political image. And I kind of wanted to dismantle that and just for once have a platform where we can just speak about positive things, positive things and where hijabis just can come and like smile and be happy and see good, nice things about hijabis. And then I was like, the reality is that because we're kind of viewed in a political image, things like these are going to come up. And I need to and I have to speak about these things, the racial injustice that Black Muslim hijabis are going through. Like that was just something that I needed to and wanted to speak about and I had to speak about. And so things like this are, are going to come up and have to address them. Like recently, the hijab ban in Belgium. And 
a while ago, the murder of the hijabi Aya Hashim, may she rest in peace, and the murder of Nabra Hassanin, may she rest in peace also, and also the murder of Yusur and Diya and Razan, may they all rest in peace. And so you see these hijabis, these women are like me, who have gone through things, and I need to address this when they come up. So I want Journal Hijabi to dismantle the political war image that is built around hijabis and address any social justice issue that comes up that is related to hijabis, all while trying to maintain a positive, empowering platform where we talk about our hijab stories. And I love that. I think sometimes there's a hard line between being political and just doing what's right. And I think you've definitely found like a good line between the two because I even struggled when I first started my nonprofit and my podcast having that line between being political and saying what's right and what what is needed to be said. And so thank you so much for being on Sirian. Can you tell everyone where they can find you? Yes, of course. I loved being on here and talking with you. And for the audience, anyone can find Journal Hijabi on Instagram. It's just Journal Hijabi with no space or hyphen or anything. And you can find Journal Hijabi also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And that's just journal at journal hijabi. And soon I will be starting a YouTube channel where I can also upload the audio and video and kind of grow from there. Thank you so much again. It was so nice talking to you and hearing a little bit more about your podcast and how you're making space for hijabis in the podcasting space. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking with you and sharing my growth and journey with journal hijabi. Although Muslim women are still not being included in other forms of media such as television and movies and are consistently seen as oppressed and conservative and needing to be saved, other hijabi podcasters such as Salam Girl and Modern Skeptics have refuted this image of hijabis and we also have a lot of other people as well. There have been a rise of hijabi powerhouses, influencers and journalists such as Lena Snowbud with her blog and Instagram called With Love Lena which has amassed over 1 million followers. For Melanie El Turk turned lawyer to CEO of the top hijab company in America, Oat Hijab, or Noor Tahuri, who was one of the first hijabi journalists in America. When we as hijabis create our own spaces to educate and build platforms, we see a more positive representation of hijabis, a people who are strong, empowered, goal-oriented, and independent. And we want to keep the momentum of the Black Lives Matter movement going. And so I'm going to provide some tangible things that you can do in order to support it. One thing that you could physically do is show solidarity and support at local protests and rallies. Make sure though when you do go that you are social distancing and that you are wearing your masks and if that's something you're very fearful of, I've seen online rallies organized as well. Other tangible things that you can do online if you prefer to stay within your homes is sign petitions, donate money or resources if you have the funds, show solidarity and support even on social media by reposting and educating yourself. There's so many good accounts to follow that keep you up to date with news and other resources. I would really suggest Sean King and Color of Change. Another thing that you can do is show support to small locally owned black businesses 
You could reach out to people that you know and just to make sure that they're doing okay. Another thing I would do is just make sure to educate yourself. There are so many books, movies, resources. I would suggest White Privilege by D'Angelo. I would also suggest a lot of movies such as The 13th, which is a documentary on Netflix. And you can also just stir up conversation within your family and friends and communities. And just to talk about this and to kind of look within deep yourself, to look at your racial prejudices and your microaggressions and to dive deep and see what you can do better. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast and this episode. We please ask that to support this podcast, share it with friends and family, and let us know what you think by leaving us a review and what more you'd like to hear on the podcast. In order to help spread our message of amplifying the voices of marginalized communities and diverse people, just remember, it is most impactful when diverse people share their own narrative.